On episode 231 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn my top 10 lessons from 2021. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mehrban Iranshad. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Tennis Files podcast. And today I have a special episode for you, recapping the 10 biggest lessons that I've learned this year. And I've done a deep dive on uh, you know, all the things that have happened, all the matches, the close ones, the blowouts on, you know, whether I've won them or lost them, and just overall how my progression has been. And it's always good to do that at the end of the year, just to figure out, you know, what you need to work on in the future. And I've come up with these top 10 lessons from you based on that review, as well as also going through and thinking about the best pieces of advice on the podcast, trying to kind of marry the two of what I did well, what I didn't do well, and then what I've learned from the podcast. So let's go and hit up that list. And the first piece of advice, the first thing on this list is to focus on staying in the present. And I have had to remind myself about this many times in USCA League matches, which is the most competitive type of uh, tennis that I play these days. And instead of thinking about previous mistakes, previous opportunities lost, you know, maybe that game where you were up 40-15, but you didn't manage to close out the break. And, you know, it, it's really important to stay in the present uh, because that's the only place where you really should be. Otherwise, your mind is going to be focusing on what you want to do in the future or what you did in the past. And, in remembering the podcast episodes that I've done, I spoke with Nathan Pasha on episode 181 of the show. And just as a reminder, when I reference episodes, you can just type in tennisfiles.com slash and then the number to check them out. And I asked Nathan how he deals with the emotions of playing on tour and also um, in college where it can get really rowdy, which I've also experienced. Somebody saying that they their grandmother played better than me, I remember that vividly. Um, but anyways, uh, when I asked him how he dealt with all that, he said that he came up with a routine using the five senses, which ultimately comes down to staying in the present. So uh, things like feeling his feet hitting the ground, paying attention to his breath or feeling the strings uh, on his racket. And these types of things help keep his mind calm, which can go wild and feed him negative thoughts and keep him in the present. I know many times, like when I've stepped up to the line to hit a serve, all of a sudden I, there's some voice in my head that says, you're going to double fault or just some other random like weird thought. And uh, it's really important to have these sorts of routines to keep yourself grounded and in the present so that you can focus on the strategy that you need to implement. And it's just really great to have your mind free and clear of distractions and of, you know, other things nagging your mind. And also, um, when I spoke with Jorge Capistani on the Tennis Summit this past April, 
which was really awesome. Had, you know, like I think 14,000 people who attended and registered. So um, he also really, um, he broke down, you know, what type of mentality you need to have. And it was basically, you know, players who lose are focusing on the past or the future and the players that do well and, and usually win are focusing more on the present. And um, kind of related on this topic, Micah Babel, who uh, is a former top 30 WTA pro, she mentioned that mindfulness practice is one of the most valuable things that she has learned, um, you know, I think after she left the tour that she wished she was able to do and go back to, you know, doing when she played. And um, all the great, not all, but many of the great athletes like Novak Djokovic, Bianca Andreescu, LeBron James, the Seattle Seahawks, et cetera, they've all adopted a mindfulness practice. So, and this mindfulness practice, um, you know, for example, I meditate in the morning um, pretty much every day. Um, lately, actually, in the holiday season, to be honest, I have uh, missed some sessions, but I look forward to getting back on track with all that. But mindfulness practices enable you to stay in the present better because what you're able to do or what you practice is you know, you're going to lose focus. And with mindfulness practices, the main, you know, object of that is to refocus your mind so that you can go back to the present and uh, keep your focus. So uh, lesson number two is to not attach yourself uh, or not attach your self-worth to tennis results. I know when I was young, I did this. um, If I won a match, I was on top of the world. But if I lost a match, especially if it was a match that I should have won or that I felt that, that I should have won, then I felt like I, you know, I just had a terrible day and, you know, I felt like I was, you know, less worthy than I was before the match. And so that's not something that you should be doing. And I know for a lot of us, we love tennis so much that we kind of naturally, you know, because it's such a big part of our lives, our lives that if we lose a match, then we feel terrible. But, you know, a lot of players, whether knowingly or unknowingly, do base their self-worth on wins and losses. And what this does is it builds a lot of negative pressure that causes people to not play well in the moment because they become extremely results-oriented, whereas we should be more process-oriented rather than results-oriented. And, you know, having pressure is okay and it's normal and we have to deal with pressure, but it's when we put that extra bit of pressure on ourselves through being results-oriented and basing our happiness on winning that we have so much pressure, it becomes very difficult to manage. And I remember speaking to Joey Johnson on episode 183. He is a mental game expert and he talks about this concept uh, of self-worth and attaching your self-worth to, to tennis results and also the seven phases of a champion, which will help you combat this problem. So it's probably an episode that you definitely want to check out. I've got a lot of emails asking me about mental game episodes, and that's a good one. All right, so lesson number three is to accept that it's okay to lose points if you're c- playing the right type of point. And to explain that further, Once you've identified your strengths and weaknesses, your opponent's strengths and weaknesses, and formulated a game plan to exploit your opponent's weaknesses, and provided that you're executing that plan as best you can, you have to accept the fact that we're not machines, we're not robots, we're going to make mistakes, and it's totally fine as long as you're doing your best to execute a winning game plan. 
or what you think is a winning game plan as as best as you can formulate one. And you've got to remind yourself, as Craig O'Shaughnessy has pointed out to me and many others, that the number one player in the world, and I can't recall what year this was, it might have been 2018, but the number one player in the world only won about 54% of the total points that he played. So this was a stat on, I think it might have been Djokovic, I can't remember for sure, but imagine that, you know, the best player in the world is losing 46% of their points. And, you know, when you think about that, and then you think to the time where you lost a couple points in a row and you yelled at yourself and went berserk, uh, that seems very silly. (laughs) Um, So you've just got to accept that we're going to make errors and the tennis is a game of errors and it really comes down to who makes less of them. Uh, If you want to listen to uh, guests expound upon this concept, then check out Kevin Garlington's interview with me on episode 184. And also, as I mentioned, Craig O'Shaughnessy on the Tennis Summit. So for that, you can go to TennisFilesSummit.com or go to TennisFiles.com slash summit. Both will take you to this past year's summit. Uh, number four, the fourth lesson that I learned is that the best players in the world execute basic fundamentals. They don't do anything fancy. I spoke with Marcus Willis on uh, episode 185. And I talked to him about his experience qualifying for Wimbledon, winning several matches in the pre-qualifying and qualifying uh, tournaments for Wimbledon, and then also playing Roger Federer in the main draw of Wimbledon. And it's an awesome story that you should listen to, um, tennisfiles.com slash 185. And I asked him what made Roger such a great player, what such a tough player to play against. And he said that people think that Roger wins matches with flashy angles and hitting through the leg tweeners and incredible winners. But, you know, Marcus played him and he said that Roger does the fundamentals really well, like keeping the ball close to the baseline and dictating the point, but not going for anything too crazy. And Marcus said that he was just unbelievably solid and he kept looking for forehands was one of his big plans, uh, one of his big strategies. Um, but you know, all that to say that, you know, just remember that really it's, it's at the end of the day, it's all about being solid, executing basic fundamentals and working on the fundamentals. Um, I remember my coach in college, whenever, you know, I was in trouble, he would just tell me, focus on the basics, go back to the basics. And it really is true. And, you know, recently uh, I've been recording more of my, uh, matches, uh, my match play, practice matches, et cetera. And when I looked at this uh, a set that I played against my friend Greg, who you can check out the YouTube video of that at tennisfiles.com slash YouTube, who was a 5-0 at the time, uh, most of the points that we both won were from unforced errors or forced errors. Um, pretty, pretty basic play. And it was just, you know, for me, it was hitting deep balls consistently forcing short balls and avoiding hitting short balls, you know, so that my opponent wouldn't be able to go on the offensive. Like that was pretty much it. It was hit deep balls. Uh, It was also attack the backhand. It was try not to hit short balls because then Greg would take advantage of of the the points. Like that was pretty much it. (laughs) So tennis, you know, a lot of times it feels very complicated, but, you know, I encourage you to just try to break it down to its fundamental, you know, 
core to the point where you're just going to have like, you know, a couple basic strategies, even one basic strategy to win the match. All right. Lesson number five in 2021 uh, was is to work smarter, not harder. And you want to have your practices be impactful as possible and as efficient as possible. Therefore, you want to practice the things that will give you the most ROI, which is the most return on investment. That's ROI. And I spoke with Bo Trays on episode 186. Uh, he has coached um, Pro Tour players. And his advice was to practice the serve and return and the point patterns that you're going to actually use in matches. And of course, the serve and return, you're always hitting one or the other, uh, unless you get aced <laughs> on the return. And um, obviously, the point patterns that you need to, that, that will best suit you versus your opponent, um, these are what you want to practice instead of, you know, 30 minutes of cross court forehands or other, you know, things like that. Like these drills are nice to get a groove um, on your strokes. But ultimately, if you want to be efficient, especially these days, you know, I know most of you listening are adult 3-5 to 5-0 players and, you know, you're working, you don't have much time. So yeah, I get a lot of questions about how to be efficient and, you know, you got to figure out like, what are you going to be doing in the matches? And then you practice those exact patterns. So you practice, you know, the serve out wide and then the you know, you cheat over to the forehand, to the backhand side, so you can hit a forehand to the opposite corner, um, things like that. Uh, if you're going to, if you play a lot of doubles, you want to do a lot of serve and volleying, work on your returns and your serves, placing them. So be more efficient with your practices, which is what you want to do, but you sometimes you just don't know like how to be more efficient, and it just comes down to what am I doing in the matches? Let me practice these things. And, you know, just to highlight this, I spoke with Ilya Marchenko on episode 188 of the podcast. And by the way, he has a really cool YouTube channel as well. And he is an ATP pro with a career high singles ranking of 49 in the world, which is an incredible high achievement and also 268 in doubles. And it was fun. I actually had dinner with him one night um, when he was in town for the City Open, which is really cool uh, in D.C., and I asked him what advice he would give to an 18-year-old version of himself. And his advice was to work smarter and not necessarily harder. And he said the reason is because he has sustained a lot of injuries throughout his career because he believed that the most important thing is to work hard. And certainly it is important to work hard. Most of us do not work hard enough, but most of us also do not work smart enough. And so he said that although it's correct to, that you need to work hard, um, if you just work hard, you can injure yourself. So he recognized that the way that we have to practice and fitness and nutrition and all that has evolved and so that we have to be smart about our training and our recovery to progress. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So lesson number six in 2021 is the value of shadow swings. And I I really don't think I've done shadow swinging enough. Um, But I remember a conversation with Peter Freeman, my good friend uh, from Crunch Time Coaching on the summit. And, you know, one of his biggest keys to improving was shadow swings. And because they're a great way to develop muscle memory. And, you know, if you think about it, when you're trying to retool a stroke, you don't go straight into competition, right? You don't just start playing uh, a match and then, oh, let me uh, let me fix my forehand here. W- what you need to do is to introduce the least amount of pressure in the beginning or really no pressure. And the way you do that is with shadow swings. And it was interesting too, because I got an email from a Tennis Files um, subscriber and she had mentioned that it was raining and that she wouldn't be able to practice. And I, I mentioned that she should perform shadow swings. And I I can't remember exactly what she said, but the email kind of was dismissive of that. And, um, you know, but a lot of people underestimate the value of shadow swings. You know, you can do this in your house when it's raining, uh, just, you know, adjusting your your technique as, as needed. And once you have done many of those shadow swings, and then you can progress to the next level, which is, you know, a drop and hit, uh, and then gradually you can transition to point play, and then you can transition to, um, you know, practice set, and then finally a match when it's um, becomes second nature. But shadow swings are where it begins. So if you want to change your technique, start with shadow swings. And, you know, if you just want to practice and it's raining, do some shadow swings. So nice and easy thing to do that will really improve your game. Lesson number seven in 2021 is to videotape and analyze your matches. And, you know, I've known the value of this. I remember a few years ago, I spoke with Ian Westerman from Essential Tennis, and we talked about the importance of videotaping and analyzing your matches. But I just want to mention it again because of its extreme value for you, for me, for everybody. And several months ago, I bought an action camera. It's a DJ Osmo action. And I believe they came up with like a second version of this, but I actually like the first version better because of the screens. Um, But anyway, I'll link that in the show notes. And I also bought a tennis mount from Maryland Sporting Solutions. And I'll link that as well. And I recorded some of my singles and doubles play. As I mentioned, my I recorded the singles match with Greg. And I found out a lot about my game and it just kind of reinvigorated, you know, my love for videotaping and analyzing matches, you know, and for example, I, I realized only through watching the footage and not after the match, like without watching it, um, that I was taking way too big of a backswing on my forehand return. That's something that I did, would not have caught if I didn't watch the video. I also found out some certain strategic mistakes I was making. Um, I spotted like, um, kind of a hitch on my serve. So uh, videotaping and analyzing your matches and your practices are really key to improving, especially if you don't have 
um, a private coach. And even if you do, I mean, it's it's wonderful regardless to to tape those, uh, tape yourself playing, and then show it to your coach um, and analyze it yourself. And yeah, I mean, there's not much more than that. I just highly encourage you to uh, to get um, some sort of recording device. You can even use your phone, so you actually don't have to get a recording device. I guess just the only thing with that is like if your phone battery tends to run out, you might need to get some sort of like portable charger unit for that. But I prefer an action camera uh, and a te- and a, some sort of mount to just mount it somewhere um, behind you so that you can record your matches. So yeah, that is a big lesson that you should put into practice, just like the other six that I mentioned. All right, number eight is tossing the ball lower for more power and more fluidity. And I had a great conversation with James Ludlow from Online Tennis Instruction on episode 210. You'd really want to check that one out. Um, It's a serve technique masterclass and I highly recommend listening to it if you want to improve your serve. And one of the most eye-opening principles that James told me he learned from coaching legend Vic Braden, I'm sure many of you have heard of him, is how much a lower ball toss can help your serve. And so Vic Braden conducted a study on the height of the ball toss. And the thing is, people think that they should give themselves more time by tossing the ball high. And so you see these high tosses that tend to, you know, go up. So they go up really high and they also tend to kind of cause a lot of issues on the serve. So the thing is, Vic uh, found that a higher ball toss falls faster. Hence, it is in the strike zone for a much shorter period of time. So if you think about, let's say you you reach up with your racket to where you normally would hit the ball, and you're tossing the ball high, so it's much higher than where the strike zone is, and then it's falling faster when it's at that strike zone, so it's going to be in the strike zone for a less amount of time than a lower ball toss, which remains in the zone of the strike zone for a much longer period of time. And so the thing with the the high ball tosses is you also tend to stop your motion uh, or you have an early racket drop relative to the upward push of your legs. And I found that this was happening. Like when I tossed the ball higher, my my, uh, racket hitting arm, it would just kind of pause for a while and then eventually it would drop down and my legs would still be you know bent right where where the timings as I talked to Rick Macy about should be such that your racket drop occurs simultaneously as when you are pushing up with your legs so i found that i was not synchronizing very well when i had a, a high ball toss but then when i started uh throwing the ball, or, or sorry, tossing the ball, you don't want to throw the ball. When I started tossing the ball lower, then I had much more fluidity in my entire serve motion, and I was also synchronizing better that racket drop with the pushing up of my legs. So I really highly recommend that you toss the ball lower, especially if you feel like you're not getting enough power on your serve and or the timing feels off. Uh, I also see this advice being talked about a lot by uh, Ryan Reedy from Two Minute Tennis, who I've had on the summit uh, before as well. He's also an excellent coach. So yeah, tossing the ball lower for more power and fluidity. Highly recommend that you try that one out. 
Lesson number nine is to study what you need the most in your game and then implement it. And this is pretty personal to me because lately I've been reviewing my past podcast episodes and summit sessions, and I've been jotting down the most useful information uh, pertaining to what I need in my game more regularly than before. And I've really been enjoying this. And the thing with me is I produce a lot of content, but I haven't been committed to re-reviewing it as much as I would have liked until recently. And so the approach I would take for for you all who are listening is to write down what area of your game you'd like to improve, and then find your favorite sources of tennis instruction, uh, whether that's any of the coaches that I mentioned or other ones or uh, myself and you know tennis Files podcast, tennis summits, and then really study, you know, what you need, whatever the biggest return on investment is for your game, and then go out and implement their teachings. Uh, And one tip I can give you is that often when I get emails asking for advice, I will respond by suggesting podcast episodes for that person based on um, what they need to improve upon. For example, if you're struggling with the mental game, you can go to tennisfiles.com slash podcast, and then you'll see there is a big gray podcast player. And then you can search in the search bar um, using whatever search term you need. So if you're having trouble with your serve, you go to tennisfiles.com slash podcast, you click in the search bar in that podcast player, and you can uh, type in that term. If you're having uh, trouble with the mental game, just type in mental game and you'll find a bunch of episodes on that. Um, You know, forehand technique, whatever it is. Uh, We've got episodes on you know, fitness, technique, strategy, the mental game, gear, all that stuff. So definitely encourage you to figuring out what you need and studying that and then implementing. And number 10, the biggest lesson, arguably the most important one is to enjoy tennis and have gratitude. And just remember that we're all really lucky to be able to play this game. There's people in other countries that cannot play tennis, whether they can't afford it or they don't have the resources or the tennis court um, access. Uh, there's others who, you know, sadly don't have um, certain limbs that they they can use to play tennis. And it really, really works. It really helps a lot um, to have gratitude and to just um, have love for the game. Whenever I feel grateful to play tennis, I play with more joy and more freedom and less pressure. And funny enough, uh, I spoke with both Vesa Ponka and Claudio Pistolesi, who work for uh, JTCC, the Junior Tennis Champion Center, albeit in different locations. One is in Maryland, one is in Florida. And they both talked about the importance of loving the game and using it as a lifelong tool for learning lessons and deepening connections with others. And I, in particular, remember Vesa talking about how he connects his top-level players with Special Olympics players and Paralympic athletes. And what this does is it really helps them gain a positive perspective for the game and instills gratitude. And, you know, if you're having a tough time of it, you know, a tough go on the court, you feel kind of down, just remember how lucky you are to play tennis and to improve your health, improve your mind and body function. Um, it's, you know, it's one of the most important sports for your health, or to frame it differently, 
I think uh, I've, I've read a couple times now that tennis lengthens people's lives. Uh, it's the sport that lengthens their lives uh, the greatest. So be grateful that you're, being, you're able to play and enjoy the benefits of tennis. So those are the 10 lessons that I've learned in 2021, or at least the top 10 of them. Uh, I'll just recap them for you. Focus on staying in the present. Don't attach your self-worth to tennis results. Accept that it is okay to lose points if you're playing the right type of point. The best players in the world execute basic fundamentals. Uh, number five is work smarter, not harder. Um, six is the value, have or realize the value of shadow swings. Number seven is videotape and analyze your matches. Number eight is lower the ball toss for more power and fluidity. Number nine is to study what you need the most in your game and implement it. And number 10 is to enjoy tennis and have gratitude. Uh, a couple just bonus tips as well that I've implemented uh, just because I can't help myself. Um, one is talking uh, about um, shoes. So I spoke with Zach Thomas uh, on a recent episode about uh, different shoes and uh, you know which ones are the best ones. And for those of you who are experiencing any knee or hip issues, you want to find shoes with the best cushioning possible. Uh, Zach recommended that I get either these uh, Nike Air Zoom GP Turbos or the Adidas Soul Cord Boosts because they have the most cushioning. So I, you know, maybe it's like super logical and you already knew this, but you know, I never really thought about that, about, you know, getting shoes with the most cushioning possible. Um, because the reasoning for that is that you want to reduce shock as much as possible. So when you have maximum cushioning, then you are reducing the shock on your joints and so forth. So that's why you want that. I know it's kind of a random and specific lesson, but I, I thought I'd sneak that in there. And just remember to keep stretching. I you know, I'm always reminded about that. Like if I forget to stretch after a session, which I actually did on Sunday, I was kind of in a rush and I didn't really get to stretch as much as I wanted. And the next day I just was super stiff. And uh, so that's a lesson that I am being reminded about constantly. Um, so yeah, that's it. And I just hope that you found some value from this episode. And if you did, I really would appreciate a review for the podcast. So you can do that at tennisfiles.com slash Apple Podcasts. And it would really help the show out and help its visibility. I guess the more reviews that we get, then the higher we are in the search, um, you know, search area of, of Apple Podcasts. And of course, if you don't use Apple Podcasts, you can certainly leave a review on a different platform. But I just find that Apple Podcasts is the most um, popular one and, you know, kind of helps the most, but it's all good either way. And uh, I just want to give it, or leave you with a quote as I often do it at the end of the show. And this one is by Cindy Francis. And Cindy said, accept life as it is, then work to make it the way you want it to be. I uh, really love that quote. And thank you so much. And uh, really appreciate all your, your love and support in 2021. And uh, it was a great, uh, well... I can't say it was a great year if we consider everything, um, but it was a good year for the podcast, um, and I hope that everybody's being, uh, you know, being safe and uh, taking care of themselves and their families. And I hope that you had 
a great holiday season, um, a great Christmas if you celebrated, and other holidays, and that you have a happy new year. And I'm really looking forward to uh, 2021, uh, 2022 rather, <laughs> and to bring you more content that you can uh, benefit from. And I enjoy doing it. So um, yeah, you will definitely be seeing more of me, knock on wood. And I hope to see some of you in person someday. And uh, thanks again for listening. So that is it for this episode. And I'll see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files Podcast. This is Mirabon signing out. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files Podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.